Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. So last week we started this time prophecy known as Daniel's 70 weeks. Perhaps you've heard of it. If you've been in the church for any length of time, any church, maybe it's been mentioned, the prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks. It's, uh, it's a wonderful prophecy, and I hope the Lord will help us to understand it a little better today. Let me go back to verse 24, which is what we looked at last week. Remember, verse 24, this is where it starts through the end of the chapter. We're just taking one verse each each Sunday. It's very important. So, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. So we consider that last time, these six objectives, and how you're to understand this is that these are the things that are going to be accomplished in these 70 weeks. So these are the six results of the 70 weeks. Now we had to spend some time looking at what does a week mean? Is it, is it seven days? Is that what he's talking about? The, the original word for week here is the word for seven, but it also speaks of a unit of time, a week of days, seven days. But every Bible scholar that I consulted, and generally, traditionally, historically, they have viewed these weeks, not in terms of days, but in terms of years. So the prophecy has to do with 77s. This is how it reads in the original. 77s, years. What does that calculate out to? 490 years. So you need to keep that number in mind. So this has to do with something that's going to be accomplished within a time period of 490 years from the time he tells us now in the verse that we're going to read next, which is the text for this morning, the starting point for this 490 years. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince. There shall be seven weeks. Now our version says it's put a period there and then it begins a new sentence. This is not correct. It should be, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Then speaking of the city, it shall be built again with squares and a moat and in a troubled time. So it's it's cryptic language. You probably are scratching your head. What does this mean? This should be the effect of it right off if we've never read it before. We should have some 
response of that nature. Verse 26, And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off, and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood. And to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Verse 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. Now let me just stop there for a minute. Now you notice in the, this whole t- passage, the 70 weeks are divided into three unequal time periods. Did you catch that? Seven weeks... Then 62 weeks, that's 69 weeks. Well, what about the other one week that composes the 70 weeks? Well, that's in verse 27. Did you catch it? He shall make a covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes it desolate until the decreed in is poured out on the desolator. So it's important to see this distinction made by, who's giving this, by the way? Who's giving this information? This is coming from the angel Gabriel. He was sent, Daniel prayed, that's verses 1 to 19 of chapter, 9, of chapter 9. Daniel prayed, and Gabriel was dispatched, even while he was in prayer, with the answer to Daniel's prayer. Because Daniel's praying over the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. The time is coming to the end of that captivity, and he's praying that God will restore his people back to their land. So this is now the answer that Gabriel brings right from the presence of God. This came, this angel, his name means uh, one who stands in God's presence. He came from the presence of God with this answer. So he has divided it up like this. Now in verses, so Verse 24 is giving us the six things that are going to be accomplished during the 70 weeks. In verses 25 to 27, he's telling us how it's going to be accomplished and when. So this is how we need to see the whole thing in order to get a handle on what's being unfolded here to us. The how and the when is this going to take place. Now, I want to mention that there's three, three basic viewpoints of Daniel's 70 weeks. There's lots of different ideas about the timing of it, when it begins, when it ends, and all of that. But it kind of boils down to three viewpoints. And I want to mention those just so you'll have that in the back of your mind. First of all, there's the critical interpreter, scholar, and what he believes about the book of Daniel, because the book of Daniel is writing history before it happened, centuries before it happened. And they don't believe uh, that he could be 
writing in the 6th century B.C. about events that take place in the 2nd century B.C., about the War of the Maccabeans and all of that that's clearly laid out and about Antiochus Epiphanes, 2nd century, 400 years later. So they say this is a pseudo-Daniel. This is the critical view. The pseudo-Daniel, he actually is living during the 2nd century, and he's writing, looking back at events that have already happened. And so they interpret Daniel's 70 weeks as referring to the Maccabean period. And the main person that's being talked about here is Antiochus Epiphanes. you remember him when I talked about him a few weeks ago? He's that leader, that ruler that came out of the northern kingdom and did all those horrible things to the Jewish people, trying to impose the Grecian culture upon them, trying to change their religion, trying to force them to be polytheists. And he went into the temple in Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on an altar dedicated to Zeus. He's a well-known figure in history. So they think it has it's primarily has to do with him. That's a critical view. The second viewpoint is a very popular view. It's what many, many churches hold to today. It's a dispensational interpretation. And they see that it does have to do with Jesus Christ. But what they do is they separate week 69 from week 70. They put the church age in there. At least 2,000 years. And this 70th week, they say, is the seven-year tribulation period. And in the middle of that week, the Antichrist makes a covenant with the Jewish people. And that's where they fit in much of the book of Revelation. The traditional view, which the view is the view that I'm taking, this is the view I'm convinced of, sees the 70 weeks as an uninterrupted, unbroken time period. No gaps in between any of the weeks. This is 490 years. So this is my approach. This is how I'm going to look at it. If you take the, the gap idea and believe that, that's, that's fine. You can, believe, you can hold to that here. I just, myself, I don't see it like that. So let's begin, first of all, in verse, the, uh, we're only unfolding verse 25. So notice the first thing Gabriel says to Daniel. After telling him that these six things are going to be accomplished, he says, Know therefore and understand. What he's telling Daniel is he wants him to get this revelation. I want you to know and to understand this, which indicates that it's difficult to understand, it's in cryptic language, but he, he's not trying to hide anything from Daniel or from God's people. But he wants his people, Daniel here in particular, to know and to understand, and he's going to go on and unfold what it is he's to know and to understand. Going back to verse 22, when he is prepping Daniel for the 70 weeks, he says, Oh, Daniel... I have now come out, that is, come out of God's presence, to give you insight and understanding. And then verse 23, Therefore consider the word and understand the vision. So it's all about understanding it. He wants him to know this revelation. 
brings out the importance of it. It's a very important prophecy. And it's unique because it's a time prophecy. I can't think of another prophecy that is a time prophecy in the Bible. It tells us when something is going to happen, except this one. Now, secondly, Gabriel states the time when the period of the 70 weeks is going to begin. He tells him when it's going to start. Notice his language. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, why is he dividing the seven from the 62? Why is there that separation? Well, the seven weeks... It doesn't go into detail here, but it pertains to the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. So that's the time frame involved, 49 years, for the rebuilding of the city. And the language that's used for that, we'll come to it in a moment, involves more than simply reconstructing what was torn down by the Babylonians. It involved extending the city, making it larger, and so on. So the seven years, the seven sevens, literally, the seven sevens or the 49 years, and then 62 sevens, or how many years is that? 434 years. So we got six, 49 years and 434 years, and together that makes 484 years for 69 weeks. And that one week is put off till verse 27. It's another seven years. Altogether, that makes 490 years. 483 years, not 84. 483 years, and then seven years. 490. Notice what he says. From the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem. So the, the idea about the word, this is a, a word in the original that has many, many Shades of meaning in the Old Testament. In fact, the King James Bible uses, translates this word 85 different times. It does mean word. It also is translated commandment. It refers to speech. Sometimes it speaks of the acts of a king. What a king does. This word is applied to that. It also is the word that's used over and over for God's revelation, his oracles, the word of the Lord. And it's this word here. The starting point of the 70 weeks has to do with some word or command that pertains to the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is in ruins. Daniel is living in the 6th century B.C. Jerusalem was ransacked, and the temple was dismounted by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. The city was destroyed, and the temple was destroyed. So Daniel, he's concerned about all this. So this is the answer he's being given by the angel about, well, the city's going to be rebuilt, 
So when it comes to this phrase here, the word to restore and build Jerusalem, the King James has from the going forth of the commandment. It translates it commandment. The NIV and the New American Standard, they say decree. From the issuing of the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. So those are the various ways it's translated of the the common translations that we have some familiarity with. So the question is, what, what is this word that Gabriel is referring to that initiates the restoration and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem? If we can pinpoint whatever he's talking about there with a date, a year, then we know, okay, from that point is, this is where the 490 years is going to start from. So here's the suggestions that Bible scholars have made. Many believe it has to do with the decree of Cyrus in Ezra chapter 1. When Cyrus decreed, he sent out the decree, actually uses that language, for the rebuilding, not of the city, and this is, this is the problem in, with my understanding of it, why I don't think it's this particular decree. It was made in 538-539, soon after the, the Medo-Persian Empire took over the Babylonian Empire and conquered it, conquered it, and Cyrus came to the throne. He made this decree for the Jewish people to go back to their homeland and to rebuild Not the city, but the temple. And so the first building project that takes place back under Cyrus is the rebuilding of the temple. That's in Ezra chapter 1. Now later in the book of Ezra, another decree was made by Darius. This is not the Darius of the book of Daniel, who was a co-regent with Cyrus, the one who was given the kingdom over Babylon. It's not that Darius. It's a Darius that's mentioned in the book of Ezra, and he's known in history as Darius the Great. He was a Persian ruler, not a Medo, not from the Medes. So just to make that distinction. He made a decree in 521 that had to do with the rebuilding of the temple. It was another decree some years later. So 538, 521, these two decrees that are in the book of Ezra, both of them pertain to the temple rebuilding. Now there is a third decree mentioned in Ezra, and it's in chapter 7, and it's a decree made in 458 by Artaxerxes who was another Persian king. But when you read his decree in the seventh, in the seventh chapter of Ezra, it has, it has nothing to do with a building project. It's nothing about building. 
It has to do with giving the Jewish people gold and silver so that they can buy animals to sacrifice in the house of the Lord. So again, that that one doesn't work either. The one I'm coming to is one found in the book of Nehemiah. This is the one that seems to fit with Daniel's 70 weeks. It's another, and it's not stated as a decree. It's stated as Nehemiah is commissioned and sent by Artaxerxes back to the city to rebuild the walls and the gates. That's where the building of the city had to begin. They had to build their defenses first. When was that one made? 446 to 445, somewhere in there. But we're actually told in Nehemiah, specifically, it was in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. And it's known in history when he reigned. And so you take 20 years from the start of his reign and it takes you to 446 or 445 right there. So I believe that that is the starting point for Daniel's 70 weeks. 445 B.C. Is everybody with me? You following it? 445 B.C. So we're, we're looking at What are we going to do with these 484 years, 483 years, or 490 years? Here's here's something I want to bring out. The restoration in the building and the language of Gabriel is to restore and build means to bring Jerusalem back to its original condition. This did not take place until Nehemiah. There's an indication in the book of Nehemiah that the city was not rebuilt. He makes the observation in Nehemiah chapter 7, after finishing the walls of the city, the gates and the walls, which they did in record time, 52 days, I think, they spent doing it. He said, but none of the houses have been rebuilt. This is Nehemiah 7 and verse 4. So the city itself is still not built, but he had spent those days redoing the walls and the gates. So the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem, I don't believe, began until Nehemiah. So that's another strong reason for this particular date. In Nehemiah 2.3, Nehemiah says to Artaxerxes that the city lies in ruins, the gates are destroyed by fire. Later in that same chapter, verse 17, Jerusalem lies in ruins. Verse 5, send me to the city that I may rebuild it. That's all in the second chapter of Nehemiah. So when you piece all of that together, it sounds to me like the, the commission to rebuild and restore Jerusalem began with Nehemiah. Not in the book of Ezra. That pertained to the temple. 
So that's an important little detail to get into place so that we get the right starting year. If we don't have the right starting year, then something's amiss because we need to connect this to you-know-who, the Lord Jesus Christ, because this is speaking of the Son of God. He is, it doesn't say in Hebrew, the anointed one. That's not the language. The definite article is not there. It's an anointed one. This is how he's, he's spoken of. An anointed one. A ruler. A prince. Now, notice, thirdly, that Gabriel reveals here when to expect the coming of the Messiah. Notice the two words, and I circled them in my Bible. The word from, know therefore and understand that from, from the going out of the word, to restore and build Jerusalem. That word from is very important. It means beginning from this word to restore and build Jerusalem to an anointed one, a prince, is seven weeks and 62 weeks. So again, the seven weeks pertains to the city. And he doesn't dwell on that. That's not the point of the prophecy so much. But he does mention it. Going to take a while to rebuild the city. The focus is on the coming of the prince. So we must put together the 62 weeks and the 69 weeks. So this is defining the time period. The word from, I circled it, from the going out of the word. And I circled the word to from and to, because this is this has given us the parameters. When the 70 weeks begins, from the going out of the word to restore to a Messiah is 69 weeks, seven sevens, and 62 sevens. 49 years and 434 years brings us to 483 years. So this is where I need my, my overhead. This is what I said at the beginning of the sermon. We've got a time prophecy involving 77s, 490 years. Gabriel divides them into three unequal time periods. 7, 62, and 1. So those, those are the years. Each period represents seven sevens, sixty-two sevens, and one seven. So the 70-week starting year is from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem. So this is the starting year. And then I have here the... Reference to Artaxerxes, the time of his reign, and when he commissioned Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the city, the walls and the gates. In the month of Nisan, by the way, that's March and April on the calendar, 
in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So we got the detail. It's 446 or 445, right in there. I'm leaving it a little open. I'm not going to try to say the very date because it gets very complicated when you start trying to make the, the very day of the coming of the Messiah. So I'm looking at years here. This is the simplest way to understand it. So our starting date is 446. So we have the two time periods, seven weeks and 62 weeks, 483 years. To the coming of the anointed one, a prince. Now, this is where it gets interesting, how we're going to calculate this. Because we need to do a mathematical thing here with it. When it's talking about years, biblical years or prophetic years, we're not talking about a 365-day year, but 360 days. You have the example from the earliest book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. Remember Noah? The waters began to recede. And we're told that when, it, when the waters of the flood, rather, ended... When the flood ended, it was in the second month and the 17th day of that month, we're told. This is in chapter 7 of Genesis. The second month and the 17th day of the month. Then in Genesis 8, it tells us when the waters began to recede and the, and the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. It says... In the seventh month and the seventeenth day of the month, or five months later, and then it tells us the number of days, 150 days. So exactly five months later, the waters began to recede. And then it tells us how many days, 150 days, five months of 30 days each. A year of 360 days per year. This is a biblical year. Now you go to the end of the Bible and we find the same thing. In Revelation chapter 11, you have the account of the witnesses in Jerusalem. And it says of the court in Jerusalem that it was trodden down by the nations for 42 months. Three and a half years. And in the very next verse, it says of the two prophets that they prophesy for 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. Based on a 360-day year. So when Daniel is given this prophecy, we're talking about a 360-day year. So we're on the timeline that we use to... Define the beginning date of 446 or 445 for Artaxerxes' decree. On that timeline, it's the Gregorian calendar is how they mark off the years when we're looking back in time. But what we need to do here in order to convert this to biblical or prophetical years, we need to multiply 483 years. 69 weeks 
by 360 days per year. You multiply that to find out how many days is it going to be. And then we're going to convert that to the Gregorian calendar to see where that falls on the timeline. So when you multiply 483 years by 360 days per year, you can see the number up there. 173,880 days. But now I want to convert that to the Gregorian calendar of 365. How many years is... Is it if it's 365 days per year in order to see where it's going to fall? Comes out to 476 years. So you divide 173,880 by 365, you got 476 years. So if you put that on the, on the calendar up there, not the calendar, but our timeline, so we got 446 BC. And add 476 years to it, and it takes you to 31 A.D. Well, who was around at 31 A.D.? See, this is, the, this is the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is, this is what is being revealed to Daniel when the Messiah is going to come. Now, some of the Bible scholars, they get very specific with it. There's some who have done it in days, they convert it just like this, they have to do the same thing I did, only they go into more detail and they take into effect leap year and all kinds of things, and they have it fall the day when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, April 6th or April 14th. But I, I can't do that. I just want to stay with the year. I just want to give you a feel for this prophecy takes you to when Jesus Christ was here. When he came into the world as our, our Redeemer. See, Spurgeon said on Daniel 9, he had a sermon on it. On verse 24, not on the 70 weeks. He never preached on the 70 weeks. But he did preach on the 24th verse that tells all the things that are going to happen when Christ comes. But he does say this about the prophecy. So I wanted to read it to you. He said, the Lord told his people somewhat darkly. It's an understatement. <laughs> somewhat darkly, but still with a measure of clearness when Christ would come. This prophecy shone like a star in the midst of Israel's sorrows. So bright was it that at the period when Christ came, there was a general expectation of him. Do we see that in the New Testament? Well, yes. Remember what happened when his parents brought him into the temple when he was eight days old for circumcision and all that? First of all, they were met by Simeon. And Simeon has quite an extensive, extensive passage dedicated to this man. But it says of him, Luke says of him in verse 25, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then, the, and then that story 
turns into the one with Anna at the end of the chapter, at the end of chapter 2. Anna the prophetess. And she spoke of him and to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Over in Luke chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, The people were in expectation and questioning whether John might be the Christ. Remember, this is the first thing they ask him, John the Baptist. Why are they asking that? Are you the Christ? This lends itself to the idea that the people were anticipating him coming. Well, why would they anticipate him in the first century? Well, it could very well be their understanding of Daniel's 70 weeks. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, remember we're told that he wept over the city. And that generation did not know, one of the things that caused him to weep was that they did not know the time of their visitation. Again, Luke's account. They should have known it. They shouldn't have known the time of their visitation. Daniel gave them the prophecy. Some of them did. Many did not. The godly people were the ones who were expecting it. Joseph of Arimathea. What does it say about him? Both in Mark's account and in Luke. Joseph was waiting for the kingdom of God. So as we read the the Gospels, we we get the feel like the people are anticipating his coming. Why? Could very well be because of Daniel's prophecy when they were expecting his coming. Now the last part of verse 25 pertains to the city of Jerusalem. Notice what is said about Jerusalem. It shall be built again with squares and a moat. But in troubled time. The word for squares is the idea of a wide street, a broad way. And it's referring to the plaza, the city center in Jerusalem. This is where all the business took place, the government was even situated there, where all the activity took place. And it was very near the city gate. In fact, there's a reference in the book of Nehemiah to that effect, where Ezra stood up on a pulpit to read the word of God to God's people. It says that he faced the square, and it was by the gate. So this is referring to the marketplace of Jerusalem. So it was all destroyed. That was all brought to ruin by Nebuchadnezzar. So... It's good. That area has to be rebuilt. And notice the city is going to have a moat. The original language there means a ditch or a trench around Jerusalem. So they dug it out. This would extend the exterior walls, make them higher because it's got a, a, dent, a ditch around it. What does that have to do with? Well, it has to do with their fortification, their protection. Of the city. So those things are going to be rebuilt. But notice it says, but in a troubled time. You just have to read the book of Nehemiah to see how that comes out. Remember, he was opposed by Sanballat and Tobiah, these wicked men that tried to hinder 
Nehemiah's reconstruction of the wall of Jerusalem, and they had to use a they had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. That's where Spurgeon got his famous sword and trowel name for the magazine that he published. It was from the book of Nehemiah. Builders and yet defenders. They had to defend themselves while they were building the city walls. So it was a difficult time. They had oppression. They had opposition as they went about the rebuilding of the city. So that all comes about just as God said. So I want to conclude with Paul's words in the New Testament, Galatians 4.4, 4, where he says, concerning the coming of Jesus Christ, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law. Just notice that phrase, when the fullness of time had come. That perfect time in history, appointed by God himself, designated on God's calendar when he was going to send his son into the world. When that time came, God sent forth his son. That's exactly what Daniel's 70 weeks is unfolding to us here. As William said, God is in control of history. He's in control of all of the events of history. In my view, there's nothing that occurs randomly. Nothing happens by chance or haphazardly. It all comes about because of God's plan and purpose. But it's the focus on the Bible is on redemption, on the plan of redemption, the unfolding of God's work of saving fallen man from his sins. And here we have a beautiful time prophecy of when the Messiah was going to come into the world. Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org.